0: Seek him there. Those Frenches seek him everywhere. Is he in heaven? Is he in hell? That damned, elusive Pimpernel.
1: Presenting Marius Goring, star of the motion picture Red Shoes, as Baroness Orks' immortal character, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Now, the adventures of The Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Marius Goring as Sir Percy Blakeney.
0: For the moment, England and France were at peace. But it was an uneasy peace, and no one believed it would last. For across the Channel, from out of the Holocaust of Revolution, a new power was rising a young soldier who dreamed of a Briton humbled in battle and subdued to his will. His name was Napoleon Bonaparte. It was a critical period for England and for the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. So critical that at last, on Tony Dewhurst's insistence, I agreed to call a meeting of the Inner Circle. There were five of us present. Harding, Fuchs, Hastings, Tony and myself. And Tony had the floor. As you know, gentlemen, in the last two months, thanks to the efficiency of the spies of this man Bonaparte... We've lost three of our most trusted men. Uh, yes. Our ranks are thinning. And yet today our task is greater than ever. The burden on the few of us who are left is too great. It's impossible for us to do all we should, and so people are dying in France because the help that we could give them never comes. Something will have to be done. Yes, but what? Yes, what do you suggest, Tony? Somewhere, somehow, we must find new blood. That's easily said.
1: Well, let me tell me, Tony, you just can't admit anyone to the league, and suitable recruits don't grow on gooseberry bushes. How do you feel about all
0: this, Blakeney? Well, there's no question. Ted is right. We do need new members.
1: Yeah.
0: Even one good man will make a difference. But where to find him? That's the problem. I've nobody I can call to mind at the moment. But but surely some of you must know someone. Not I. Nor I. As a matter of fact, I think I do. But you, folks? Yes. I don't believe you've met him, Percy, but Hastings and Harding have. Uh-huh. Well, I'm sure they have vouch for him. Well, who is he? His name's Gerald Lowther.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> I'd
0: never thought of him. But uh, any relation to Lord Lowther, the new Parliamentary Secretary for Foreign Affairs? His second son. Well, you obviously do know him, Harding. I do, and very favorably. And you, Hastings? Yes, I know him well. So what's your opinion of him? Like Harding, it's never occurred to me to think of him as a candidate for the League. But since his name's been put forward, I should say he has distinct possibilities. Oh, splendid. <laughs> Bring him along to my chambers tomorrow at six. <laughs> uh, let, let me pour you out a sherry lather. I, I can recommend it to you Now i poured it from spain myself thank you you join us folks yes please and well, andrew tells me you know france and the french very well captain yes i spent some years there matter of fact i sometimes feel almost more french than english indeed how's that well, my grandmother was a Parisian, you know. No, no, I didn't know. Uh, yes, it would create a bond, wouldn't it? Uh, allow me. Your drink. Oh, thank you, sir. And yours, Andrew? Oh, thank you. Uh, I hope this don't sound an impertinence, Captain, but, uh, folks told me you've grown a little weary of army life. Frankly, I'm disgusted with it, sir. Oh, yeah, it's a strong word, isn't it? I'd use a stronger if there were one. Uh, of course, I'm no soldier myself. <laughs> a little out of my line, you know. But I should have thought it would be a very amiable existence. I dare say it is, if an amiable existence is all you want. Ah. Uh, you, you, you seek more, eh? Yes. Ah, well, well, what is it you're looking for, precisely? Excitement? Venture? Oh, something more personal. Something that'll depend on my own initiative and courage. Ah. Well, then let's say, for example, that the chance to do the sort of thing you wanted came along. Uh, would you resign your commission? Tomorrow. Ah. Oh, what's the use of talking, to? Never will come. Oh, it may. It may. <laughs> to your very good health, Captain Lather, And yes, to yours, sir. I was impressed with Lather, and particularly with his genuine sincerity. In every way he seemed an ideal recruit for the League. But before taking the irrevocable step of accepting him as one of ourselves, I planned to have several further talks with him, but next day all that was forgotten. At the time being. And oddly enough, it was Lowther's own father, the Secretary for Foreign Affairs, who was responsible. Quite unexpectedly, I received an urgent summons to call up it. It's uncommonly kind of you to be so prompt, Sir Percy. Uh, do be seated. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord Lowther. Uh, Sir Percy, I presume you've heard, in a general sort of way, of an organization known as the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh, uh, Oh, yes, yes, vaguely, sir, vaguely. You know, of course, that from time to time it's been concerned in activities that have, well, shall we say, not earned the complete approbation of the present government of France. Yeah, yes, I believe I have heard it said, yes. Yeah. You see, Blakely, our problem is this. We are anxious to keep the peace with our good friends across the channel. Yeah, Naturally, sir. But at the same time, we have reliable information that they're not playing quite fairly with us. Oh, dear. Well, for instance, we've recently installed several gun batteries in the neighborhood of Dover and Folkestone. Purely as a defensive precaution, you understand. Of course. Sir. And it's come to our knowledge that certain technical data regarding the installations has already found its way to Paris. Oh, I say. Now, for diplomatic reasons, we're reluctant to take official action. But nevertheless, we're agreed that for our own safety, this leakage must cease. You appreciate our point, I'm sure. <laughs> While we were talking, I was already making my plans. Tony Dewhurst would have been the ideal companion for such an adventure as I contemplated, but he was already committed for another undertaking, and so my choice fell on Andrew Fuchs. That same evening, he and I met to discuss the details. But Charlie, if the spying's taken place in England, it's here we should look for our man, isn't it? I think not, Andrew. We may be sure that every possible effort's been made to catch him here, and if the army authorities have failed, we are not likely to succeed. No, our chance lies in Paris. I'm convinced of that. Well, how do you propose to go to work? Well, that'll depend on circumstances. Unfortunately, I have affairs that'll hold me in London for two or three days. So what I suggest is this. You leave at once for Dover. Tonight? Yes, tonight. You'll find my yacht, the daydream there. Briggs, the skipper, is bound to be staying at the fisherman's rest. Have him take you across the channel. Go straight to Paris, engage rooms at the trois Epis, and find out as much as you can before I arrive. Right. Any, um, specific ideas? And I should imagine it's almost certain our old friend Citizen Chauvelin is concerned in this in some way. I'd wager a thousand
2: guineas. So keep him under
0: close observation. Right. Note what he does, where he goes, who he sees. Right, right. Well, look, it's just on nine o'clock now. With any luck, I should be in Dover before dawn. Au revoir, Percy. Au revoir, Andrew. See you
2: in Paris.
0: It was five days later when I reached Paris. Fuchs had done his work well and had a great deal to report. For a country that's allegedly at
1: peace, there seems
0: to be an extraordinary amount of military activity going on just now. Training and parades and so on, you mean? Ah, that's only part of it. At the moment, I'm inclined to think by no means the most important part. What does seem important is the almost constant coming and going of high-ranking officers in and out of the offices of the Committee of Public Safety. You think discussions of some sort are going on? I'm sure of it. And very vital discussions, too. I don't imagine Bonaparte has called twice on Chauvelin in the last three days to talk about the weather. Is that true? Bonaparte and Chauvelin? Yes, and each time they were together for more than half an hour. Well, how do you know that? Uh, there's a clerk from Chauvelin's office. Doddering old fool of a fellow. He drinks every night, downstairs. Here in this inn, you mean? Yes. When he's sober, he's as tight as a clam, but... Well, after three glasses of wine, he's prepared to tell the whole world everything he knows. It seems his room's next to Chauvelin, so he doesn't miss much of what's going on. Now, presumably you already struck up an acquaintance with this fellow. We're practically bosom friends. (laughs) Excellent. I'd like to meet him myself. You shall. Tonight. Your glass is empty, citizen Miro. Let me fill it again for you. That is uh, dirty kind of you, dirty kind. Not at all. The pleasure to meet such congenial and, if I may say so, such intelligent company. (laughs) After all, a man in my position needs to know what is what must have his head screwed on right. Oh, absolutely. mean <laughs> you say, Man, like Chauvelin does not suffer fools gladly. <laughs> Can't afford to. I'm sure he cannot. <laughs> I was telling, my friend, you are very much in Citizen Chauvelin's confidence. Oh, sir. wouldn't say that. After all, officially, I'm just a clerk, but you know. That's so all just a clerk. <laughs> You're too modest by far, I'm sure. Tell me, citizen, have you met the great Bonaparte yet? Have I met Bonaparte? Wasn't he at the office yesterday? Oh. And again the day before that? Oh. Now there, if I may say so, he's a real man. Oh. Yeah, oh, of course. And a little hot-headed uh, as yet. But believe me, he bears the stamp of witness. I am sure he does. I imagine his, uh, his talks with Chauvelin must be very important. Oh, yes, indeed, most important. And uh, very secret? What very secret?
2: There say uh, the... Name of a certain country across the channel enters very frequently into their conversation. Ah, that would be terrible. Oh, shame.
0: Shame on you, Pierre. Why, well, what have I said? Oh, citizen Miro has already said these conversations are very secret. Even though he knows that we are men of discretion, it is hardly fair to expect him to tell us too much, is it? Oh, you are quite right. A thousand apologies, citizen. Not at all. Not at all. After curiosity is a natural human threat. Uh, it's good of you to be so understanding. Pierre, our bottle's empty. Call for another. Uh, but of course. No, 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 no. Not for me. Just uh, one more. Just oh, one more. No, no, I'm sorry, but it's getting late. I really must be this anger. Uh, we shall meet again, I hope. Oh, why not? Pierre and I have rooms here. Perhaps you'll join us for dinner tomorrow evening. I shall be honored. To your good health, Tito. And to yours. To your very good health, my friend. Your health. And now, if you will pardon me, I must take my leave. <laughs> Do you live far from here, citizen? I have lodgings in the Rue Richelieu. Oh, I have a mind to walk a while and clear my head. <laughs> How about you, Pierre? An
2: excellent idea. Let us all go
0: together, then. You have no objection if we walk with you a while, citizen? Oh,
2: not at all. Not at all.
0: Splendid. Shall we go? Oh, by all uh, Permit me to help you to your feet? No, no. It's quite all right. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's Look at him, fast asleep. I'm not surprised. But he hasn't drunk as much as all that. Eh? My dear fellow, it's not how much you drink, but what you drink that counts. It's amazing how efficient a mere thimbleful of the right liquid can be. You mean you've given him a sleeping drop? Exactly. Oh, but why? I'll explain later. Our first job is to get him out of here and upstairs without arising suspicion. Oh, la, la. Oh,
1: oui, monsieur!
0: It, it seems our friend has... Uh, imbibed a little to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sleeping peacefully, is he not? <laughs> Do not worry, sir. Uh, I will look you. We, we will not uh, dream of putting you to so much trouble. No, no, no. No, no. no, no. no, no. He is our responsibility. We have a spare bed in our rooms. I think the best thing is to take him upstairs and let him sleep it off. Well, if it is no inconvenience to you. No, know. not a bit. Help him with him, Pierre. Let us get him out of here.
1: scoring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Scoring as the Scarlet Pimpernel.
0: Well, that takes care of him. As the landlord said, slumbering so peacefully. If my calculations aren't astray, I think we can count on him staying that way for at least 18 hours. Long enough, anyhow. Long enough for what? Me to do what I want to, of course. Let's go into the other room and I'll explain for heaven's sake, Andrew. Don't look so puzzled. Well, I must say, I do find all this a little baffling. My dear fellow, it's quite simple. As you've no doubt observed, Miro and I are much of a height. In his clothes and a wig, and with a false nose and a few lines in the right place. You mean you're, you're going to impersonate him? Precisely. i oh, would never get away with it. Why not? Well, uh, his voice, for instance. A fellow in my position needs to know what is what. Must have his head scoot on the right. You I mean to say a man like Chauvelin doesn't suffer fools gladly, can't avoid to? It's amazing. If Drury Lane only knew what an actor they'd miss. Oh, well, that's all very well, Percy, but uh, well, I still don't see what you hope to achieve. Perhaps nothing, perhaps a great deal. It's worth trying, though. You say Miro's room is immediately next to Chauvelin? So he assures me. Then suppose, for instance, Chauvelin has an important visitor tomorrow. It could be even Bonaparte himself. Oh, I shouldn't think that very likely. Why not? Apparently they've already had two conferences. Isn't it possible they'll have a third? Well, yes, I suppose it is. But what well, I mean even say, you're not going to hear much through a thick wall. There may be other ways. but such as what? My dear fellow, I don't know. I shall simply take a chance and hope for the best. Perhaps nothing will happen at all. On the other hand, a great deal may. It's worth a gamble, don't you think? Well, what will I be doing while you're caught in debt in the lion's then? You'll be sitting quietly here watching Miro in case he should wait. Oh, no, no, that's not fair. What is isn't? It?
1: Why should you have all the
0: fun? Well, this isn't exactly fun. Well, uh, I'm sorry, it was a stupid word to use, but what I meant was it, it's not fair that you should be the one who has to face all the danger. If only there was some way I could share it with Thank you. Thank you, Andrew, but these things even themselves out, you know. This time risks mine. Perhaps next time it's yours. Now, let's go to bed. I have an idea. It's going to be a rather a busy day tomorrow. At 8.30 next morning, Miro the clerk was at his desk. At 8.40, the door opened, and in strode Citizen Chauvelin. The crucial second had come, a little sooner, perhaps, than expected.
2: You seem a little pale this morning, Miro. Not your usual self at all. I did not sleep very well last night, sir. Too much cheap wine, I'll wager. You had better pull yourself together, Miro. I've had to speak to you before about this sort of thing. I'm sorry, sir, it's undecuse. That is what you always say. That memorandum I gave you yesterday to coffee. Have you finished it yet? No, not quite, sir. If the truth is known, I suppose you haven't even started it. I must have it by midday. Not a moment later, is that clear? Yes, sir. Then see, I get it. Also those letters I give you. Yes, sir. Any special instructions, sir? I am expecting an important visitor at nine o'clock sharp. A very important visitor. On no account am I to be disturbed. Do you understand me? On no account whatever. Very good, sir. I will see to it. You have better.
0: An important visitor, he said. A very important visitor, That could mean any one of a score of people, of course. But it could mean Bonaparte. So far, the luck had been with me. But there I hope for so much more. And then as the clock struck nine, I heard the approach of footsteps. Brisk, military footsteps. And past my open door, I caught a fleeting glimpse of a man in the uniform of a colonel. A young man, small and thick set, with a biggish head and deep-set eyes. And then I heard...
2: Good morning, citizen Chauvin. Good morning, Colonel Bonaparte. Come in, please.
0: And then the door closed. And I heard no more. I waited a while, then peered into the passage. It was empty. The sound of voices came to me as a soft, unintelligible murmur. I looked towards Chauvelin's door. Under my elation, I saw the fanlight was slightly open. I returned to my room, collected at random a bundle of papers, and holding them in my hand, I stepped into the passage. I stopped outside Chauvelin's door, my hand raised as though to knock, and holding this position, I stood and prayed that for a few minutes at least... The good fortune might be mine to suffer no interruption. I could hear their voices distinctly now.
2: Likely to receive the plans of the new coastal batteries? As I recall it, citizen, you promised I should have them by the end of this week. And so you shall, Colonel. And you've had news? Yes. A letter from Agent 29 himself. He expects to complete the compilation of all the essential data by first. Excellent. He will bring it direct to Paris himself? That is not possible, I'm afraid. He cannot afford to be out of England for more than 24 hours. He will cross to Calais on Thursday night, put up at an inn, call the Grey Cat in the name of Citizen Lebrun, and one of our most trusted men will collect the material from him on Friday morning. This courier of yours will need to be on his way soon. He left this morning, Colonel, at 8 o'clock. As soon as he has the papers, he has orders to return in all haste. And I think I can safely say they will be in your hands by Saturday.
0: And then it happened. An official appeared in the passage, walking towards me. And to justify my position outside Chauvelin's door, I had no option but to pretend I was seeking admission. A knock.
2: Come in. No, it is you, Miro. What the devil do you want? Oh, a thousand pardon, sir, but these peppers. Ah, didn't I tell you that on no account was I to be disturbed? Oh, yes, sir, but... Get yes. out! Yes, sir. Just a minute, Miro. Your wig. My wig, sir? It slipped slightly. No, 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 no. Don't straighten it. I was always under the impression that your own hair was gray. But it is not. It is dark. You are not Miro Etan. The game was up.
0: And I knew it. I turned and ran. Stop that man! Cease he's a spy! Pull him! Oh, stop that Bullets whistled, swords flashed, hands touched at me. Somehow I fought my way free. Somehow I found myself outside the building. I dashed through the crowded streets, doubling on my tracks, till I was sure I'd shaken off pursuit. And then I raced for the trois Epis. Andrew! Where are you? What's happened? Come on. Help me get out of these things, will you? We haven't a second to lose. Yes, but right. But will you tell me, please, what's happened? Everything. We've got to be out of this place and out of Paris in ten minutes. But what about Miro? He's still asleep in there. He served his purpose. Let him stay asleep. Somehow we've got to reach Calais by tomorrow morning. It was a nightmare ride. An exhausting, punishing ride against time. But with several changes of mount, we reached the outskirts of Calais just as the morning sun was breaking through the mist. We rode direct to the Grey Cat and hurried inside. Well, bless my heart and soul. You two seem to be in a great hurry on our saying. Our business is urgent, I know. And what might your business be, citizen? You have a rendezvous here with a certain citizen, Lebrun. Has he arrived yet? He's been here an hour since. He said he was expecting a man. He made no mention of two, though. Shall I tell him you are here? We will see him in his room. Which one is it? Up the stairs and second to the left. Right. Come on. Yes? A visitor from Paris, Citizen Lebrun. Land in. I must say you lost a louder.
2: You, Gerald? It can't be. There, there must be some mistake. There, there
0: must I be. I think not. You have the plans of the fortification? Yes. You'd better give them to me.
2: Of course. Here they are.
0: Thank you. But I I, I don't understand. Gerald, you and I have been friends since boyhood. You, you wouldn't betray your own country. You couldn't. Lather's grandmother was a Parisian. Sometimes he feels more French than English. He told us so himself. But, oh, that was just idle talk and chatter. It was less than the truth, Andrew. I was born in England, but this is my country. My real country. I've been proud to live for her. And now, in this hour of my defeat, I'm proud to die for her. He's got a pistol. Put it up, you Stand fool. Stand back, both of you. I beg only one favor of you. Don't tell my father. It'll break his heart. (laughs) He shot himself. Gerald! Gerald! Folks, it's too late. He's dead. Oh, no, no. It was the only way. Gerald, you... You damn misguided, quixotic fool!
1: returns as the Scarlet's Pimpernel.
0: And so that's the whole story, Lord Lather. I see. Needless to say, His Majesty's government is immensely grateful to you both. Personally, there's still one point I don't quite understand. What's that, sir? How Gerald first got onto the track of this French spy. And why, having done so... He didn't report the matter to his commanding officer. Perhaps there was no time, sir. In any case, sir, what does it matter? We do know that he pursued the fellow to France. And that he caught him in Calais and fought him single-handed. And thanks to his intervention, we were able to recover the plan. And we'd never have done it but for Gerald's sacrifice of his own life. They'd have been in Bonaparte's hands by now. Think only this of your son, sir. He died bravely. And not only bravely, but happily for the things in which he believed. That you can swear, gentlemen. Yes, sir. That we can swear.
1: Starring Marius Goring, is produced by Harry Allen Towers.